Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, Dodgers fans? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast presented by the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Kevin Klein here, Chris Camello joining us as a guest, so we're excited to have him back on. The Dodgers made another additional move. They've agreed to a one-year, $6.5 million deal with the 35-year-old outfielder, nine-year vet, David Peralta, a very familiar name. If you followed the Arizona Diamondbacks or the NL West in general, you would have seen him face the Dodgers quite a lot during his career. 281 career hitter over his lifetime. A pretty respectable OPS as well. Kind of struggled last season. Spent time between the D-backs and the Tampa Bay Rays. Finished with a 251 batting average in 2022 with a 731 OPS. Just 12 home runs. Zero home runs with Tampa Bay. But for the most part, this has been a respectable hitter, a true veteran. And this is going to be an interesting situation because the Dodgers, in my opinion, needed some help in the center field department. But now they added a corner outfield outfielder. So you'll be looking at Peralta to probably be starting a majority of at-bats against right-handed pitching. He'll start in left field. Chris Taylor, you would imagine, would start against mostly left-handed pitching. He'll start in left and center field. And before I pass it off, I just wanted to point out an interesting interesting observation. So last season, the Dodgers had Joey Gallo and Hanser Alberto. And I feel like they've directly replaced them now with uh, David Peralta and Miguel Rojas. And so we kind of thought this was going to be the youth movement. But I mean, Peralta, I mentioned he's 35 and he's a veteran at this point. So I think he's going to get a bulk share of the at-bats. So Jake Reiner, let me get you in here. What are your thoughts on this move? Yeah, Peralta and Rojas, arguably a huge upgrade over what Gallo and Alberto were able to provide last season. So this is this is a great move. And you look at his stats. I mean, look, you know, Kevin just mentioned 251 average, 731 OPS, 12 homers, 59 RBIs. I'll take that again. Like, give that to me again, because th- this is not going to be a guy you're going to rely on heavily in the middle of your order. This is a complimentary bat that can give you some pop. He's left-handed, which is great because now Dave Roberts can really go right, left, right, left if he wants to. I know that they were trying to add that lefty and they did. And I'm glad that he's coming back to the NLS because like Kevin mentioned, as soon as he went to Tampa Bay, 
his, uh, his the rest of the season kind of dipped and, and he didn't really produce much at all. But as an Arizona Diamondback, I mean, you look at his numbers and he had a 30 home run season in 2018. Uh, granted, that's a, 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 you know, a little bit of a, you know, long ways away, but still, you know, it kind of reminds me of when the Dodgers picked up Jake Lamb in a way, and he, he kind of has a similar career where Jake Lamb had a few seasons where he hit 30 home runs and was and and had the potential, but then you know kind of didn't really produce as much. I think Peralta's better than Jake Lamb, and if he's able to, if he's able to provide 12 home runs, 60 to 70 RBIs, you'll take that. Chris Cabello, glad to have you back on the show. One thing I wanted to add to this. A lot of success against the NOS in his career against the Padres. He's the 305 lifetime hitter against the Colorado Rockies, a 340 lifetime hitter against the Dodgers, 251 career hitter. I mean, that's to be expected because the Dodgers typically have elite pitching on their roster. But what are your thoughts on this Peralta edition? I'm happy in the sense that the Dodgers don't have to face him this season. So that's cool. I mean, this is a guy who's consistently lit up the Dodgers. It kind of just feels like no matter how good Arizona was playing, you could always rely on this guy to have a solid, you know, in a three-game series, probably go, it felt like, 8 of 14 with a couple of home runs and four or five, six RBIs and everything like that. So, yeah, he he's obviously declined a little bit since that 2018 season that Jake was talking about. But I see this in a couple of different ways. One, the Dodgers were looking for another outfielder. Uh, it could have been in seven or it could have been in the corner. Remember, they were looking at A.J. Pollock and a potential reunion there before A.J. decided to go to Seattle. And I think he fills another void, um, not just providing uh, some outfield depth, but another left-handed hitter off the bench. And that was something I was a little concerned with, especially in the outfield. Assuming Chris Taylor is going to get the bulk of the starts out there, along with Trace Thompson and uh, Mookie Betts, you didn't really have a lot of uh, flexibility there as far as uh, in the lineup, uh, as far as the lineup was concerned. So I like the fact that he's a left-handed bat. You could bring him up off the bench. He could DH. He could play left field. And he's got experience. Even though he's never played with the Dodgers, he's got experience playing at Dodger Stadium because he was in Arizona for all those years. So he understands the lay of the land at the ravine. Um, six and a half million for one year. It's a solid move. It's a solid pickup with incentives. He could get up to eight mil. I just think at this point, good, hardworking player. Got some pop in that bat. It has good at bats. He's, he's a guy that can crush mistakes and drive in some runs. And also, too, this is an insurance policy, in my opinion. In case Trace Thompson kind of continues to dwindle off the way he did late last season, this is a guy where it's like you kind of hold Trace accountable for. And and, also Chris Taylor. And and Chris Taylor as well. But, I mean, Taylor's going to find a way to be in the lineup because of his ability to play the infield, Jake. So as far as the outfield is concerned, I think Peralta really has that. And in case Outman gets called up and he struggles or whatnot, This is a nice stabilizing presence, similar to what Rojas is going to be to Lux and Vargas. I think Peralta can be for this Dodger outfield. I like the signing. Kind of a weird comparison that I might be reaching here, but he kind of reminds me of late career Andre Ethier at this point, where you got a solid proven veteran, late mid thirties. Now Ethier kind of from 2014 to 2017, Injuries kind of riddled him, but there were times in the playoffs where someone like Puig was struggling and Dave uh, Don Mattingly would insert Ethier into the starting lineup to shake things up. And I think also if Peralta's not starting, he might be a late game substitution or just come into a pinch hit role and he might get you instant offense in this role. So 
we talked about the mo money already. Six and a half million to me, that's just low risk. And there's a lot of high reward opportunities here. So this was a fan favorite in Arizona. Like D-backs fans really spoke highly of him. Big energy guy, hard worker, as Chris said. So I like the move. I think this just pays dividends. And I mean, we're looking at a pretty full roster now in terms of the bats. I think yeah. the pitching is also pretty much full two, full two. So I mean, the biggest question here is, does Jason Hayward even have a spot to make the opening day lineup? Michael Bush, where does he fit into this equation? Because he was already kind of squeezed out. Now it's looking very unlikely he can make it to opening day. And then finally, there's a lot of pressure on James Outman. The outfield was already a little bit tight because of Trace Thompson and then Jason Hayward fighting for a spot. Now you add in David Peralta, who can't really play center, but you got Chris Taylor who can play center. So that last spot, I think it's going to really come down to James Outman and Jason Hayward, I guess. I think it's a really good problem to have. It looks like the Dodgers have done a nice job of compiling depth and not just bodies, but like actual guys that that can that can contribute and have had proven track records of success. So it's going to like I've said on the last episode, this is going to be one of the most hotly contested spring trainings we've seen in a while because of all the openings and because of all the guys that left this offseason. So I think that this is going to, I hope, elevate James Altman. You know, he'll sink or swim, right? And I think that he's he's going to have to earn it, just like Jason Hayward's going to have to earn it. David Peralta is probably going to make this roster, given the you know the the major league commitment they just yeah, offered him. I think he has right? to. He has yeah. to. Uh, whereas Jason Hayward signed a minor league deal, invite to camp. Um, James Altman has options. So those guys really do have to fight to make the roster and then also fight for playing time. And don't forget Stephen Duggar too. I really was intrigued by that because it didn't seem like that long ago that there were the Steve Finley comparisons to Stephen Duggar. And that might get a few eye rolls from Jake and Kevin here, but I'm just saying it didn't feel like that long ago where this guy was coming up and turning heads uh, with the San Francisco Giants. He's bounced around to Texas, to the Angels. I'm intrigued by that signing as, as well. So spring yeah. training is really going to be intriguing. I think uh, being humbled in the playoffs last year, combined with the fact that guys are trying to have bounce back seasons like Muncie, like Chris Taylor. And then you have a batch of guys who are trying to A, prove that they can still play or B, prove that we are here and forget about Trey Turner, forget about Justin Turner. Miguel Vargas is here. James Altman is here. A lot of these, uh, Gavin Lux is here. So I think you have a few different incentives to go out and take these spring training games uh, um, well most of them uh take, take them seriously this season yeah i didn't hear dave roberts personally name drop steven duggar although i feel like he's the more talented player but another guy he did name drop was bradley zimmer who yeah. is a who defensively we know is a gem bat questionable but they're going to give him some i'm at they're going to give him some at bats as well i think this is a guy they would like to potentially have as a a fallback plan if all else fails in center field Let's take a quick pause right here to remind you guys about TickPick, who's sponsoring this podcast. TickPick is the go-to website if you're trying to avoid service fees at checkout. You see the price, that's what you're going to pay. They offer the most competitive prices in the industry. I mean, Paramore just dropped a new album, and have you guys listened to that one yet? I mean, it's incredible. So Paramore's playing a number of shows around SoCal and touring, so you can get tickets through TickPick. You've got the big game this Sunday, the Super Bowl. Check out prices over at TickPick. I'm sure they're cheaper than anywhere else. And you can even get tickets for spring training over at TickPick. 
First time users of the app, use the promo code INCLINE, all caps, and you'll save $10 right away off your first purchase of $49 or more on the TickPick app. So download and start saving and buy some tickets. With the World Baseball Classic just a few weeks away, we finally got the official rosters announced. So we're going to focus on Team USA and then cover some Dodgers that are also participating. So your 2023 USA roster in the World Baseball Classic is composed of the following position players. Pete Alonzo, Tim Anderson, Nolan Arenado, Mookie Betts, Paul Goldschmidt, Kyle Higashioka. I can't say his. Higashioka. Yes, Kyle Higashioka, Jeff McNeil, Cedric Mullins, JT Realmuto, Kyle Schwarber, Will Smith, Mike Trout, Kyle Tucker, Trey Turner, Bobby Witt Jr., pitchers with a staff composed of Jason Adam, Daniel Bard, David Bedner, Nestor Cortez, Kendall Graveman, Merrill Kelly, Clayton Kershaw, Lance Lynn, Nick Martinez, Miles Mikolas, Adam Ottavino, Ryan Presley, Brooks Raley, Brady Singer, Adam Wainwright, and Devin Williams. I know I missed that. I'm, I missed that. Could you do that one more time? <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> it so sounded the- like Eminem's uh, acceptance speech where he was naming all the rappers that had an influence on him. It was like <laughs> yeah. four pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can look that up on our Instagram or you can rewind this 30 seconds and listen again. <laughs> but Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw, Will Smith are the active Dodgers. Nice. Trey Turner was a Dodger at the time when he was announced. Former Dodger now. I mean, this, this is a pretty stacked team. Is there any names in particular that you're most excited to see represent the U.S.? And do you think they're the favorites to win this tournament? I think that this roster is more stacked than I've ever seen it for the WBC. Mm. I don't yeah. think that that we've ever had this much firepower, especially, you know, especially offensively. Yeah, we, we've got a pretty decent staff, but the offense is just a juggernaut. I mean, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout on the same team, Paul Goldschmidt on the same team then you know kyle schwarber jt Romuto, and then you got and then you got will smith who's the backup catcher Mm. arenado's there arenado i mean the not only not only the offense but the defense too you got gold gloves all over the damn place um the pitching is the pitching is the pitching is equally as solid um i I give the edge to the offense but i love that clayton kershaw has a potential matchup with julio urias against Team Mexico in Pool C, which I'm sure we'll get yeah. to. I think That's Kershaw's really the ace of this staff, too. Has to be. Yeah. I don't I, I'm not I'm looking at the starting staff and I'm not seeing anybody that I would put above him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and I think it's great that Trout and Kershaw in particular are going to be on this uh, you know on this roster because these are two of the more popular players not just in Southern California but also throughout the league and you know at one point in time see we we left the name off Bryce Harper because he's undergoing Tommy John had to drop out obviously from Team USA commitments you imagine that outfield Mookie and right Trout in center and Bryce in left or I don't know how that would have worked but that would have been great and by the way I was just thinking I was looking at the depth chart and I only saw Jeff McNeil at second base but then again you do have a backup second base and you got Mookie Betts who could play, who could uh, play for Jeff McNeil in case he gets hurt or something. I think, it, I think you guys are right. It's a loaded roster. The pitching, uh, it's a little beyond Kershaw. He raises a few question marks. Stacks bullpen though. Yes. A very stacked yes. bullpen. So. David Bednar. Yeah. Devin Bed- Williams. 
Devin who's, Williams. Who's closing for this Devin, team? Devin Williams. I, I got to imagine. imagine. Je- yeah. And, and I it wouldn't shock me. I don't think this is going to happen. It wouldn't shock me if Bednar is one of those two winning kind of guys, like seventh and eighth, and then uh, create that bridge to, to Williams in the ninth. But you got contact hitters. You got speed. You got power. You got, you got a guys ton, who of close, ton of closers. Yeah. Ton of cl- and I think that's they did that on purpose. So as long as their starting pitchers can give them three, four, five innings, they could shorten up the game and turn it over to, to those arms in the bullpen. So, yeah, there's not many flaws. And by the way, Mookie and Trey can be uh, one, two again at the top of this order, bringing it back to the 2022 Dodger season. So that'll be that'll be fun to see. Yeah, I think you are right. I think those would be the one, two hitters. Um, would Trout as the three spot, Kev, you think? I, yeah, I think, yeah, Trout would be third and Goldschmidt would be cleanup. Yeah. If I had to guess. Mm-hmm. I can't think of how else you would order those. Those got to be your top four. Like I can't imagine anyone else being in the top four. Like that has to be the four. Maybe Pete Alonso's batting fifth because of his power upside, and then Rio Muto right behind him. The manager Mark DeRosa's got a lot of options. I mean, this is this is beyond an all-star team in my opinion. I feel like this actual team is better than what we've what we've been seeing rolled out in some all-star games recently. This is this is what the USA NBA basketball team sends to the Olympics every year. Yeah. This kind of roster yes, sir. with yeah. this kind of firepower. So this is really exciting this year that all of these stars, that the main stars from America are joining this team, which is yep. I has never happened before. Yep. This, you, I got redeemed team vibes from what you just said, Jake. I'm, I'm, yep. I'm shaking over here. <laughs> I was about to say that the USA is the defending champion, though. They won the last tournament, which took, took place in 2017. The previous winner before them was the Dominican Republic, and then the inaugural champion, and then they repeated was Japan. Does anyone remember who won the MVP for Japan twice? Was it Otani? Was not Otani. I don't think okay. he was even yeah. pro then. Was, it a, was he a pitcher? I was going to say Daisuke Matsuzaka. That's the winner. Yep. yep. The first tournament took place in 2007. Matsuzaka was the MVP, and then he signed with, or he might have already signed, but then he became his professional debut with the Red Sox later that season, and they they won the World Series. Odd career for him. Definitely. Didn't he go to the bullpen at some point? He did. Yes. Yeah. He claimed out. He won a he won a World Series his first year in Boston in 07. I think I want to say that might have uh those first two seasons were probably his best and they weren't even that good. They were he he got bat- bailed out by a lot of uh big offensive performances by the by the Red Sox. That's let me right. ask you let me ask you guys a question. I don't know if you had this question Kev, but it just came to me. Um Mark DeRosa, first is he this is the first time he's managing this team? Yeah. How do, how do we how do we feel about him? Obviously big personality on MLB Network really funny guy um, and pretty decent analyst. But what do we think of him as the manager? He did play for team USA. I think a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of like his managerial abilities, I have no idea. I kind of just remember him being a journeyman. He was a pretty solid utility player played on a number of teams, like the Cubs and the Rangers and the Atlanta. Yeah. I don't think this is going to be a hard job, to be honest, because all these guys are stars and professionals. And so I think this is more of an exhibition where pretty much anyone could lead this team. And I think what we're going to have to be more concerned about, which is very parallel to what we see with Dave Roberts, is just bullpen management. Can he get a feel for the game? Does he know when to plug guys into the right spot? Can he read the moment if someone looks like they're going to be struggling after two batters? Does he have the 
willpower to get someone warming up right away and make the correct substitution. Cause I think offensively it's pretty straightforward who you're starting, but this is going to come down to those pitching decisions. And am I wrong in thinking that this is the only roster in the WBC that has all major league talent? Hmm, that's a good question. I I want to say the last one back in, you said it was 2017, Kev. I want to say yeah. it was more recent than that. Uh, yeah, I want to say that one was mostly, I mean, there might've been one or two minor leaguers who hadn't been called up yet. No, I'm I, saying, I'm saying this, this year, oh, the, no, no, the, the yeah. team USA compared to the other, the other sure. rosters. I, I'm just trying to think at the last roster, it was, if it wasn't all major league talent, it was like, Right. It, you know, 23 out of the 25 guys were all major league talents and the other ones were minor leaguers. So this might, you might be right. This might be the one where everybody has major league experience, not to mention a lot of these guys have been in the league a minute. Like you don't have any rookies on yeah. this team. Not many anyway. You, I, I think, mean, yeah. I think you're right. This is probably the only roster with all major leaguers, but I think the biggest competition and the closest in this category is probably the Dominican Republic. Not yeah, going to name all their players off the top of my head, but I know, They've got Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Julio Rodriguez. Um, yeah, they're going to be the top. If yeah. if if the Team Sam, USA makes it out the, of the pool, then and I believe they got the Cy Young winner Alcantara on their roster pitching game. So yeah, they're going to be tough, no doubt. Every every time you look at this tournament, there's always the teams like Japan and Dominican Republic that you have to look at. Uh, in addition to to Team USA, Venezuela, don't overlook them. I believe Cuba that they, they're going to have a really good team as well. So a lot, lot of lot of good teams. Going back to your question about DeRosa, yes, I think he's got the personality. I think I think he's going to be able to get these guys through the the day to day. Um, he's got a pretty interesting coaching staff. I wanted to throw the name Mike Sosha out there because Sosha, I thought, did a great job during the the last Summer Olympics with Team USA with mostly an amateur squad. So I'm wondering if that would have been a good look. You know, it's always good to have somebody who's, you know, got experience in the game, but not in the game right now. You know, kind of like Coach K with Team USA. I always think that's a good look for for a national team. But, uh, hey, I'm pulling for Mark. And, and you know, if nothing else, he's going to keep those guys engaged uh, game in and game out. Yeah. It is interesting why someone like Sosha wasn't involved. Maybe he just has too many commitments. I'm looking it up right now. The The manager of the 2017 winner was Jim Leland. So mm, that was yeah. a pretty established manager going from yeah, a guy that's for sure. been to World Series to Mark DeRosa. I think I yeah. just pulled up the Dominican Republic roster. I think we should give them some flowers right now because this thing, this, this roster is stacked. I mean... Kevin mentioned uh, a bunch of names already, but uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., mm. Rafael Devers, Cattell Marte, Willie Adamas, Wander yeah. Franco, um, Nelson Cruz, Eloy Jimenez, Teoscar Hernandez. He already mentioned Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto. Behind the plate, you got Gary Sanchez. Woo! And then the the pitching is is pretty decent, too. You got Christian Javier on there. Mm. Um Gregory, just signed Gre a Gregory Soto as your closer, probably Gregory Soto as your closer. I mean, I, I would still like looking at both of these rosters between the Dominican Republic and team USA. I have to give the edge of team USA. I just think that they have ultimately overall better pitching and the, the I think the lineups can be a wash, um, but I would, I would give, I would give the advantage to team USA on paper. Man, Kershaw potentially against that lineup would be so electric. Like, sign me up if that's our finals. I don't, I don't remember <laughs> if it, it's a, like it's a best of three final, right? Or, or is it a one and done? 
I'll have to look up the rules because I, I don't remember off the top of my it's, head. It's w- once you make it out of the pool, it's one and done to the okay. finals. But I'm not sure if the final is a series or just a one. Yeah. When That's does it start again, guys? Does it start at the end of February or early March? Uh, it starts like- It starts like March 8th. Yeah. Okay. And it's which, like we'll get to, yeah. which we'll yeah. get to right now in the pool that the U.S. is in. They have Great Britain, Mexico, and Canada. Over on Canada, they got... Our first baseman, Dodgers, number five, Freddie Freeman. Got to imagine he's their best player. Don't Over, they have Columbia too? Are they? I, I thought it was four teams, but correct me if I'm wrong. Look that up. Um, Great Britain, one Dodger as well, Trace Thompson. He'll be one of their starting outfielders, of course. No one else really noteworthy on, on that team. And then Mexico, who I think is our biggest competition in the pool, Dodgers co-ace Julio Arias their best player and then Dodgers catcher Austin Barnes repping and he'll be calling behind the plate. So I think Mexico has a pretty good team. They've got Astros decent starter, Jose Urique or however you say it. And then other than that, or Kitty or Kitty. Yeah. And other than that, just a bunch of guys. So I think the U S should be able to walk, should be able to mop the floor with this division. I'm going to be going to the Mexico and great Britain game. So I'll be rooting on team USA. I'll be yeah. I'm I'll be going to a couple of games myself. Nice. I'm so looking up Pool C tournament. and yes. So we've got we've got USA, Canada, Mexico, and Colombia and Great Britain. Okay, so five. Thank you. I don't know who's on Colombia, but no Dodgers. Other Dodgers minor leaguer Adam Kalerik is on Team Israel. One of the Dodgers' top prospects, Jose Ramos, is on Team Panama, and then Miguel Rojas, if he's healthy, will be playing for Team Venezuela. And those are all your notable Dodgers competing in this pool. I don't know if David Peralta was signed up, but because he just came to the Dodgers, but hey, it wouldn't surprise me if he was there. Real quick, that's kind of baller that Austin Barnes is playing for Team Mexico. I think that's that's pretty awesome, actually. Hey, como estas usted, Austin? <laughs> you know, bring the heat, dog. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, my God. I love it when you speak Spanish. <laughs> All right, so I think that's a good general preview right now on the world baseball classic. We'll continue to cover it more as it starts to pick up steam, start talking about the matchups and the rules and all that. But that's just a little overview of what to expect over the coming month. Uh, USA will be playing at chase field in their pool. So if you're trying to get the games, got to drive down to Phoenix, see some spring training during the day and then go watch the games at night. Seems like a pretty good combo to me. Yeah. I don't like the fact Clayton Kershaw's p- pitching at his house of horrors, also known as Chase Field. So just be careful with usage over there. Doesn't exactly have the greatest record over there for the, over the last 10, 12 years. Right, Jake? Yeah, he doesn't do well there. But, you know, it's Kershaw and he's uh, he's he has a lot of pride in this. And I and I feel like when when you you desperately need him, he's he's going to come through. No doubt. Better than Coors, at least. Better than Coors. Oh, thank God they don't have it at Coors. (laughs) Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, let's move into a new topic. So FanFest happened a week ago, last Saturday at Dodger Stadium. Pretty exciting. That was, that was my first time 
attending a fan fest, ran into Jake Reiner. He got me on the news. So if you watch Sports <laughs> Central, I made a little cameo uh, and Jake did a great piece on what went down at FanFest. So you can find that on his profile. Probably the biggest announcement, though, was that the Dodgers, led by Stan Kasten, announced they are retiring Fernando Valenzuela's number 34. Finally, they're going to do a ceremony in August. So I know this is something that Dodgers fans have been clamoring for for decades. No one has worn the jersey since Fernando, but it's official. They got rid of that rule. Number 34 will be retired. So I don't have any other thoughts on that because we all know how great Fernando was, but it's just exciting for a guy that's in the Dodgers broadcast booth and one of the biggest legends ever finally getting the recognition. Yeah. I think it's I think it's so much more than than just re- retiring the number. It's it's a, it's another chance to celebrate what he meant to the Dodgers organization, what he meant to uh, the Mexican people of Los Angeles. I mean, he he was a an absolute uh, icon and uh, no better way than to to retire his number. And I know they had the precedent of not, you know, retiring numbers of guys that weren't in the Hall of Fame, with the exception, I believe, of Jim Gilliam, um, because they uh, it was a special circumstance. And so this is another special circumstance. I love it when uh, teams kind of break from tradition uh, to to do something that should have been done a long time ago. Um, and it's 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 a really cool thing. And, and I'm glad that they're finally doing it. Oh, I, I agree. Fernando Mania was a phenomena. And he, this man was assembled not just for the LA community, not just for the Dodger organization, but really for baseball. And and he has great been a great ambassador to the game. And uh, I mean, still, it's just so many iconic moments. And not even just the no-hitter of 1990 with Vince Scully, Vince Scully's iconic call. If you got a sombrero, throw it to the sky. But it was the way he pitched. It was his demeanor. It was the fact that many Dodger fans from the Latino community had really somebody to identify with. And uh, I mean, it still to this day, that 81 team is special because of Fernando. You know, people think of 88, they think of Oral. 81 was Fernando and, uh, you know, could not be a more deserving player. He has stayed connected to the game of baseball, stayed connected to the L.A. community, stayed connected to the Dodger organization. I agree with you, Jake. This is a time and place to break tradition. And I'm glad Stan and the other owners of the Guggenheim Group have, have acknowledged that. And they're going to give him his flowers and uh, retire that number 34. Well-deserved. And the next thing this team needs to do is lock up Julio Arias because he <laughs> is he is the guy that you want there for the rest of his career, what he means to this fan base. Ditto. Well, we'll cross that bridge in a year because he ain't coming cheap. No, and nor, nor should he. And they should pay him. Agreed. Yeah. Any other things that happened at FanFest – one of my favorite interviews was when they talked to Freddie Freeman. This guy is just a true Ironman, like the complete opposite of load management. He says he hates taking games off and he really explained why. Cause he said he knows how hard fans work to rack up the dollar so that they can go to, so that they can afford to go to Dodger stadium or wherever they're at and watch them play. And so I think a guy like that, that's just speaks true cadence of his personality. And I think that now he's more comfortable in Los Angeles he's the first to admit like there were moments where he got emotional, missed Atlanta and all that. And it kind of got to him. But I think us as fans made him really comfortable by chanting his name loud. And I think this second season for Freddie Freeman, he's going to emerge as the Dodgers primary clubhouse leader. 
He demonstrated all kinds of situations in Atlanta where he led that team, especially to that 2021 World Series. And now that I think he's more adapted to Los Angeles, it has more of a more of a chemistry and familiarity with our organization. He's going to be the Dodgers leader, probably followed by Mookie Betts, who's more of a lead by example guy. But I think a vocal presence, Freeman is going to be the clubhouse leader. Here's the thing about Freddie Freeman that I've loved this offseason is that it really feels like he thinks of himself as a Dodger. This is the first time I'm I'm really feeling that from him. He really feels a part of this organization. He's using the terms we and us and all of that. And that stuff is important because as we saw last year, it was a very emotional year for him. And he kind of you know, his time in Atlanta kind of ended abruptly uh, abruptly and a little kind of controversial in a way. So he was kind of emotionally all over the map and didn't really feel like he was a part of the Dodgers organization, kind of felt like he had, you know, one foot uh, it's still in Atlanta. But this offseason has really felt like he has taken ownership of that. And I agree with Kevin. I think he's going to be the clubhouse leader. He's got that attitude that we need to lead this clubhouse. And think about it this way, with all the emotional stuff going on last year, he still had an incredible offensive season. I mean, that to me is like, that's all you need to know about the guy. doesn't matter what's going on off the field or around him. He can still hit the damn ball. And so that was truly impressive. But now in his second year, I'm, I'm super excited to see what he does. It sometimes takes a year to really feel comfortable in a place. Even if you are leaving a situation where you just won a World Series and you're coming into another team that has World Series aspirations, it takes time to ingratiate yourself into the city, into the culture. I mean, not to mention, and Jake, you touched on it. He thought he was going to be a Brave forever. So to basically get your legs taken out from you, I mean, metaphorically, but also kind of literally and kind of feel stunned and be like, okay, well, I'm going to go to the Dodgers. But that shock really did not wear off right right away. You know, you know what I'm saying? So it's very difficult, even though he's got Southern California ties and, you know, grew up in OC and all of that stuff, that's still a difficult process. So I think he is going to be more of a clubhouse leader uh, along with other guys. I think Chris Taylor, Max Muncie, guys who've now been Dodgers for six, seven years. I think their voices are going to go, you know, a long way. Clayton Kershaw, of course, as far as the pitching uh, is concerned. Uh, but yeah, I, I really am. Uh, I like the fact that he has that old school mentality in this era now of load management guys taking days off, guys worried more about their personal brands than than winning and staying healthy. He is one of the last, uh, and you don't normally see this uh, in, in baseball, but he's one of the last guys that actually values playing 162. We give baseball players a bit of a pass because the season is such a grind. You're playing every day. You're traveling a lot. You're playing these three-game sets. So I love the fact that he said what he said, because to, to say that for an 82 game season in the NBA is one thing to say that for 162 in baseball, to take that kind of pride, that's next level right there. So shout out to Freddie and, and, and I hope he has a terrific season once again for the Dodgers. You know, I was wondering about the, the guys that are being invited on minor league deals. You know, I, I noticed that uh, Dodgers, you know, invited Adam Kalarik, but there's still some names out there that are so intriguing and maybe they might be broken, but I'm wondering why they haven't taken a look at guys like Zach Britton, why they haven't taken a look at guys like Michael Fulmer, why they haven't taken a look at guys like Alex Reyes. You know, I, I was talking to you about that Kev via Twitter and it's just like, you know, I understand, you know, you have a lot of arms in that bullpen, but why not take a flyer on some of these guys, especially when you don't have an established closer right now? You know who they did take a flyer on today? 
Ruby De La Rosa. Oh, my he is gosh. back. The guy they traded in 2012 in that Aegon package. I didn't even know he was still pitching. Ruby De La Rosa back on a minor league invite. Briar Lab, here we go. I agree with your point, Chris. Especially someone like Zach Britton. How is he still free agent? Like, I know he's at the end of his career, but you got to be able to sign him for at least $4 million, I would guess, unless he's purposely holding out. Um, I think like Peralta is an example on the offensive end where he kind of just fell into our lap because that deal is like peanuts. So I'm happy with that. But yeah, one more reliever, whether it was Ken Giles, Britton, Alex Reyes. Why are these guys still out there? Yeah. Ken, Ken Giles is another one. Yeah, I know he's doing a workout right now. He's hosting a, uh, what do you call it? So it's almost like an audition at this point. Like you're about to read lines for a movie, right, Jake? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, no. So I, I, I just think it's, these guys are worth, if they, if they've had success at one point in time, yes, they've had injuries. Yes. They've had some inconsistencies. These are the types of guys that Dodgers would love to grab and say, Hey, work with us for a year. If it works out for you, great. It's almost like John Calipari in Kentucky. If it works out great, you can go into the NBA and make 4 million next year. Come here to the Dodgers. Help, we'll help you get back on track. You help us win games. And next winter, you could get a multi-year deal elsewhere. And if you don't believe us, ask Andrew Heaney. Ask Tyler Anderson. Ask uh, Brandon Morrow back in the day. Ask Daniel Hudson. Our record speaks for itself, fellas. Chris Martin, too. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's where we're going to close out the show. Great point you just brought out, Chris. Somehow I have this little itch that the Dodgers are going to make one more move before the season starts. They did this to us a year ago when they traded AJ Paula for Craig Kimbrell midway through spring training. Not going to say it'll be that type of deal, but I just feel like something's going to happen. But uh, on that note, Jake Reiner, hope you have a great weekend ahead. Chris Camille, thank you for joining. You can follow us all below. I will post the descriptions and our handles in the, or I'll post our handles in the description below. Oh man, I'm winded. The Incline Dodgers <laughs> signing out. Have a great weekend, everyone. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.